This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Hello there. Another busy week in Michigan politics, and we've got a couple of special guests today, including the one I'm going to call on right now, Adrian Heeman, CEO of Grassroots Midwest, a prominent political consulting firm, sophologist, you name it. Uh, He does it all when it gets to legislative races. Adrian Heeman, welcome. Thanks a lot for having me on, Bill. Listen, very quickly, looking at some of these state Senate races, as we all know, who are political junkies going into the election, the Republicans have a, like a 27 to 10 advantage in the state Senate. There's one seat vacant, a Democratic seat in Detroit. But some polls just came out in the last 48 hours. I just wanted to ask you what you thought in these various districts and also if you have any uh, different thoughts about races in other districts very quickly in the Senate. Right next door to Lansing, there's the 24th State Senate District where you've got Kelly Rossman McKinney, a Democrat, challenging uh, Tom Barrett, an incumbent state representative. The poll shows her ahead 50 to 41 percent. Does that sound right to you? What do you think about that race? You know, I think it might be a little closer than what that polling shows, but it feels like, um, you know, Miss Rossman McKinney is pulling ahead here. Um, she's been up on TV for a while. Um, you know, I've seen some polling that was a little closer than that, but um, it, it, I certainly think that she's ahead right now, at least marginally. Um, you know, her opponent has had a lot of money spent for him in general elections um, over the last four years. He's been in, um, you know, a pair of competitive elections already. This one's going to be a nail biter. I think it comes right down to the end. Hey, what about the uh, 10th district over in the Sterling Heights area in Macomb? County, you've got uh, Henry Yanez, a Democratic state representative, running, and I think it's Mike McDonald. Surprisingly, a poll showed McDonald up 49 to 41 percent. Does that sound right to you? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, I, I think this race is basically dead even right now. Um, you know, the you know Senator uh, Representative Yanez um, uh, doesn't have as high a name ID as you would like um, in this district, and the president's popular here, um, so I, I don't have a hard time believing that this is close, or maybe even that Representative Yanez is down by a little bit. Um, all, this past week, um, a negative ad went up against Mr. McDonald, um, a partic- uh, I think a particularly effective one having to do with his DUI um, and a motorcyclist who lost a leg um, in that accident. And so, um, you know, I think this is another one that comes right down right down to the wire. Yeah, what about the Upper Peninsula? There's a 38-state tenant district up there, which includes like the western two-thirds of the Upper Peninsula. You've got Scott DeAnda, who is an incumbent state representative term limited Democrat running against Ed McBroom, who is a former state representative Republican. He's been out of the legislature for two years. Uh, That poll shows uh, DeAnda up 48 to 42 percent with the rest undecided. What about that one? That sounds sounds about right. That might be a little bit too big of a spread um, for Representative DeAnda, but this is um, going to be a tight race. Um, You know, the Western UP, um, you know, the Western two-thirds of the UP, like you said, is is rough terrain for Democrats, but Democrats got the can, uh, the candidates that they wanted. So did Republicans. Uh, they wanted uh, former Representative McBroom, and that's who they got. This is, um, you know, this is going to be a knockdown, dragout fight. I expect that, uh, you know, this race ultimately ends up being decided by a few hundred votes. Yeah, we talked about three races so far where the seats are open, meaning no incumbent running. Now there's one down in the 13th state Senate district in Oakland County, the Troy area, where Marty Nolenberg. 
Bloomberg, an incumbent Republican, is running for re-election, being challenged by Mallory McMorrow. Now, that one uh, in the poll was shown very close. Uh, McMorrow, 45 percent. Nolenberg, 44 percent. What about that? You know, I think that's about right. Um, those are shocking numbers for an incumbent Republican senator, particularly a Senate district that's based on the city of Troy, which in the past has been, um, you know, a real Republican bastion. I think there's two things going on there. One is there's been some pretty serious demographic change in the city of Troy. I mean, in the last decennial census, um, back in 2010, the city of Troy was almost 25% Asian. That no- number has only grown. Um, you know, and uh, I think the other thing is that the incumbent hasn't necessarily been putting the work in on his campaign that he uh, that he needs to. Um, you know, he's got a very successful restaurant, Sedona, um, that he opened up down in the district, and he's apparently in the process of opening a second location for that. Um, Senator Nolenberg needs to get his eye on the ball if he wants to come through here. Okay, finally, uh, there is a uh, 29th district uh, over in the Grand Rapids area, another open seat. Uh, you've got Chris Affendoulis, uh, an incumbent state representative, Republican running against Winnie Brinks, an incumbent Democratic state representative uh, for this open seat. Winnie Brinks in this poll is shown to be, it's almost like the Troy race we just talked about, uh, 46% to 45% over Chris Affendoulis. What do you think about that? You know, I I think that you have to favor Representative Brinks in this race right now um, based on geography, um, based on the sort of enthusiasm gap and the fact that she represents um, the most densely populated um, area of the district where it's easiest to gin the vote, that being the um, the city of Grand Rapids. Um, you know, I've seen a few different polls from some different sources here. Um, none of them have showed uh, Representative Affendoulis ahead. Some of them have showed, you know, a real tight spread like the one you just mentioned um, that uh, SR Polis did, and some of them have it a little wider spread, but I've yet to see a poll that has um, Representative Affendoulis ahead in this race yet. Okay, uh, let's talk about a, a, a few house races here. You've got Sarpolis Pole in the uh, 17th State House District. Now, this is down River Wayne County. This is a seat that the Republicans actually picked up in 2016. They weren't expected to. Joe Bellino, an incumbent Republican running for re-election. He's being opposed by Michelle Lavoy. And Sarpolis and Target Insight show Bellino ahead uh, 4639. What do you think about that? That sounds about right to me. Um, you know, the uh, most of this district is Monroe County. Um, uh, President Trump polls better in Monroe County than he does in Macomb County. So it's not surprising that uh, Representative Bellino would be at by a little bit there. What about the 39th district? Uh, this is in the center of Oakland County. I think it's the Bloomfield Hills area. It's an open seat. Uh, been trending Democratic in the last few years, but the Republicans have held on to it until now. Republican uh, candidate is Ryan Berman, and the Democratic candidate is Jennifer, is it pronounced Sweden or Sweden? Uh, uh, Sudan. Sudan. Um, yep. And I think the poll shows her ahead 50 to 38. That's a pretty hefty margin, double digit. What do you think? It is, and that's the best poll that I've seen uh, I've seen for her there, um, but this is another one. I've yet to see a poll that has the Republican ahead in this district, and uh, Oakland County is trending very badly for Republicans right now. Um, I think that those poll numbers will tighten a little bit before the end, but um, I, I expect that Miss Sudan will uh, prevail. So right next door to that is the 40th State House District, and you've got a Democrat, Mary Manugian, running against a Republican named David Wilkinson, and she's ahead in the poll 50 to 44 percent. What do you think about that? 
That sounds about right. Um, you know, the the Democrats came close in this district two years ago against um, an incumbent representative, uh, Mike McCready, who's running for the Senate now. President Trump performed really poorly in this district um, that's been, you know, Republican for quite a while, um, being in northern Oakland County. Um, and, uh, you know, Ms. Manoogian has got a lot of really good support from the organized labor community. Um, her father was apparently um, chief of staff for the Utility Workers International um, a number of years ago. And so I expect her to prevail in this race as well. In the 61st uh, State House District, it's the Kalamazoo area, Portage, uh, incumbent State Representative Brant Iden. Now, this is another race where an incumbent is running for re-election to be his third term. He's had close races before. He's being opposed by a Democratic challenger named Alberta Griffin. And uh, the Target Inside poll has her up 52 to 43 percent. That's about a 9 percent spread. What do you think about that? That tracks very closely with other polling that I've seen in this district. Um, I've, I've seen four polls in this district, um, and uh, Representative Iden's opponent has been, um, you know, right in the 50 percent range um, or close to it in every one of these polls. Um, and that's that can't be encouraging for Representative Iden or the House Republicans. Uh, finally, 62 per, uh, 62nd district in Battle Creek. It's an open seat. You've got Jim Hadsma, the Democrat who ran two years ago and lost to the incumbent in a pretty close race uh, against Dave. Morgan, uh, the Republican who switched his affiliation a couple of years ago uh, from Democrat to Republican, that poll shows 54 to 38 for Hadsman. That's a 16-point spread. What do you think? I mean, this is not surprising. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Hasma ran two years ago and never really stopped running. Um, and Republicans shouldn't have had this seat in the first place. Um, not to brag too much about my firm, but, um, you know, we stole this seat um, for Representative Bison, um, who's running for Senate now, back in 2014. Um, it's Mark Shower's old House seat when Mark Shower was on the ballot. The base number here is 56% Dem. The Republicans never should have had this seat in the first place. Right. Listen, uh, I know you've got to probably leave now. Maybe we can get you back uh, next week to uh, talk about some other races. How about that? All right. Thank you so much, Adrian Heeman from Grassroots Midwest. Thanks a lot. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back with another special guest here, and uh, she is an Eaton County Commissioner, Christine Barnes. I believe she's from Mullican, which is up in the extreme northwestern corner of Eaton County. I think she represents the uh, first commissioner district. I think that's three complete townships. Is that correct, Christine Barnes? Oh, you were so close. It's four townships, Bill. Oh, another township. Okay. Well, what are the four townships? So that would be a portion of Roxanne. Uh, So I have Roxanne, Sunfield, Vermontville, and Chester Township. Oh, wow. What an area. Um, So you were elected in 2016 to the board for the first time. I think you ran against an incumbent Democrat up there, right? I did. Uh, how did that, how did you happen to run in the first place? Well, I am a very active community volunteer. Um, I'm with CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocate, um, National Wild Turkey, uh, Sunfield Auxiliary Fire. So there were a lot of things that I was already doing within the community. And as a result of that, uh, folks asked me to run. They said, we really need someone with a servant's heart to represent us, somebody with a strong voice. So um, I was approached to run. 
I said, uh, let me say my prayers first, then let me talk to my husband, and um, the rest is history. We worked really hard, and as you said, we unseated a, a 10-year incumbent Democrat out here in the Out County. Was he from, like, Mullican or Sunfield as well? I believe his family originated from Vermontville, and then he lived in Chester. So he had historically taken both of those townships with strong numbers, uh, overwhelming numbers. And so even though uh, Republican challengers had taken the other two townships, being uh, Roxanne and Sunfield, uh, his numbers were so strong in the other two that he, that he continued to win. So um, you were elected, and uh, when you got into office, what did you find when you became a commissioner? Were you surprised by how the commission uh, ran its business or how the committees were set up, or was there anything remarkable about uh, joining the board? I believe the remarkable thing about joining the board is really um, the ability to help constituents. So the committees are set up pretty standard. You can look online. I knew what committees to expect. I knew what boards we would be appointed to throughout the region. Certainly, I've learned a great deal um, as a Tri-County Regional Planning Commissioner um, looking at infrastructure funding. But truly, the, the most surprising thing is how many folks really do need a voice and how many folks really do need a challenge or problem solved. And, and I, I don't think I realized how much service I would be able to be to my community. And it's been a, a pure joy. You know, boards of commissioners in the various counties in Michigan, we've got 83 counties, they vary in size. And, and you can't really predict based on the population of the county, how many commissioners it's going to have. You have some heavily <laughs> populated counties with uh, comparatively few commissioners. And then you've got smaller counties with a lot of commissioners, I think actually Eaton has quite a big board of commissioners. Don't you have 15 members? <laughs> we do, and actually we have the largest um, representation allowed by state statute, but certainly not the largest population or land mass. So um, I would be in favor of reducing the amount of commissioners that represent our district, um, but it's, I think it's probably hard to get commissioners to vote their own position out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anything, they kind of like to expand the number so more of them can get elected. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. we are at the max the state legislature allows right now. Right. So uh, as I understand it, like it's a nine Republican, six Democrat board. Is that correct? That is correct right now. Okay. So uh, looking at the population of Eaton County, I'm not even sure what it is right now. What is it? A uh, hundred thousand, 110? I think the full Eaton County is around 110. Uh, District 71, I think, is in the 90,000s. Okay. So if it's uh, 110 and you are one of 15 commissioners, so what? You rec What do you represent? Maybe like eight or 9,000 people? Yeah. About eight or 9,000. But now, of course, you're running for the State House of Representatives, uh, 71st District, which is open uh, because the current state representative, Tom Barrett, is running for the state Senate. And as you just said, that represents 90,000 people, right? Yes, you are correct. And so what? It, that covers the entire county and a piece of anything else or what? No, so it covers most of the county. There are pieces of Charlotte and Eaton Rapids that go with the 65th, the Jackson area. Right. So you had a primary this year, right? And, I did. And you won that. Uh, you were running against somebody, unless I'm mistaken, 
who was from Delta Township, which is the northeastern corner of Eaton County, which is really the population center today of Eaton County. I mean, it's grown so rapidly over the last several decades, but you were able to win that, right? That is also correct. Okay. And now in the general election, you're facing a another candidate, uh, this time a Democrat, who is from that same population center, Delta Township, right? That is also correct. And so how do you handle this? I mean, here you are coming from this obscure, uh, sparsely populated rural farming area, northwestern Eaton County, and yet you've got to appeal to voters who've never seen you before or had a chance to vote for you before except in the primary this year, you know, heavily concentrated in Delta Township and maybe other parts of the county like Charlotte. How do you go about uh, making yourself known and campaigning? Well, first, I was raised in Delta Township, so I grew up right off Crates Road between Saginaw and Willow. So I'm from that area, and I went to Grand Ledge High School. So I'm not a complete unknown in that area. Everything west of Kreitz Road, my name recognition is fantastic. I was born Christine Barnes, and then I married Tim Barnes. So my name is the same. (laughs) That is fantastic. Did you plan that? I did. I was smart enough 15 years ago. Yep, yep. Um, no, I had no idea I was going to go into politics. I was, it was requested of me as an opportunity to serve, so this was not a lifelong goal, although it would have been great as a, uh, as a game plan, right, as a strategy. Right. But, so my name recognition is fantastic, uh, west of Kreitz Road specifically, uh, which is a good portion of Delta Township. But I'm so, in, again, I'm so involved with the community in so many different activities, with the Eagles and the Legion and, um, Pheasants Forever, National Wild Turkey. I mean, there's so many things that I've been involved with for a lot of years, so people know who I am. I also work hard. So we've spent a great deal of time in Delta Township, um, in Windsor, all over the county, knocking on doors. Uh, Of course, in the primary, you know, you're predominantly alone. Um, You get some help from here to there. But for the most part, I think I knocked uh, about 90% of the doors by myself, and I hit every door and some of them twice. So my message resonated well enough to uh, win the primary and uh, by a very respectable margin. And I believe we're doing well now as well. Yeah, for those uh, listening to this uh, elsewhere in the state, far removed from the 71st State House District, this is uh, Eaton County, and this is just west of Lansing. And uh, it's got the communities that you've heard Christine Barnes mentioning. It's got Charlotte as the county seat, and it's got Grand Ledge, it's got Eaton Rapids, it's got Olivet, it's got Bellevue. Uh, it's got Diamonddale, but this township in the northeastern corner, Delta Township, is a spillover from Lansing, so it's really getting heavily populated. We're going to take a break here, and we'll be back in just a minute with more from Commissioner Christine Barnes. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with Eaton County Commissioner Christine Barnes, who is the Republican nominee for state representative in the 71st House District, just west of Lansing. 
Um, before we get into issues, uh, I just want to ask the question, when you go out and uh, campaign door to door, I mean, you always hear this expression, door knocking. Yes. Uh, what does that really mean? Or how do you go about door knocking? Do you do it by yourself? Do you do it with a team of people? Do you cover specific geographical areas, uh, streets like you're going up and down a street with other people on your campaign team and you're each taking a house? Um, and if, if people aren't there, you're leaving literature. I mean, how do you actually physically, mechanically go about it? Well, so in the primary, it was... Uh, a lonely game. Most of the time I was out there by myself. I certainly had uh, some supporters uh, from time to time that would give me a few hours or a few days, and, and certainly some folks from around the state that believed in me and gave me some time. But generally, in the primary, it's a lonely game. Now that we're into the general, uh, the support system is amazing. And so I'm never out there alone. Uh, every day we have a group of people. It can be two or three. It could be 50. Quite often I'm closer to 50 than I am two or three. Um, I enjoy door knocking. It's something I think like my predecessor, uh, Representative Barrett, he enjoys door knocking and resonating and talking uh issues at the door, finding out what's important to folks and letting them know that he's accessible, and I'm following in his footsteps. I enjoy those conversations. Um, even even the tougher conversations are enjoyable, and I learn something. So um, I enjoy it, so I, I just go out and physically start driving to houses that I um, would like to talk to. Yeah, let me ask you, in the, in the primary, it's a little difficult, isn't it? Because, first of all, primaries um, are confined to supposedly one political party, whichever party's primary you're running. It could be Republican, Democrat, it could be something else. And I mean, you don't want to go to every house in the entire district because you're aware that a lot of your time is going to be wasted going to homes where people are just not going to be voting in your primary. So do you pick out these homes in advance? Do you have an idea of which houses you want to go to? You do. So, you know, both um, both sides of the aisle, the Democrats and the Republicans, I think have done a great job of identifying um, who their uh, constituents are that are most likely to come out and vote. So, you know, it becomes a percentage. It, it, it becomes a game. How many... How many houses do you think you can knock? How many weeks do you have? Um, how viable of a chance is this? household going to come out and knock, um, and do they tend to lean, since, since you have to pick um, a party in the uh, primary, you know, what do they tend to pick? Do they tend to vote Republican? Do they tend to vote Democrat? So, as I said, both, I think both sides of the aisle have a pretty robust list. There's also other uh, list companies that you can employ their services to look at um, statistically um, where should you be spending your time at the door? When you go to somebody's door, uh, do you find very much of the time that the people who answer the door, if they're home, really want to talk about issues? Do you try to draw them out? Do you ask them questions like, what's on your mind? What big issues uh, concern you? Can I tell you anything? Uh, can I provide any answers to any questions you might have? Or are, are you fairly because you got to cover a lot of territory, happy to just give them literature, introduce yourself, 
And if they don't really step up and, you know, demand some kind of conversation, uh, you're, you're both on your way. Uh, the homeowner retreating inside and you're continuing on to the next house. What do you find? Well, I find that I resonate well at the door. Um, I'm in a unique position because I am already an elected official. I think people open the door or they're more responsive to me very quickly. When I say, hi, I'm Commissioner Christine Barnes. I have, I have that benefit. Um, so I can talk about county issues. Uh, when they find out that I'm a county commissioner, sometimes the conversation um, becomes, well, what does a county commissioner do? Uh, when I explain that I'm running for state rep, they sometimes the conversation will go to, well, what does a state rep do? Um, certainly issues come up at the door. Um, I can talk about either county or state issues. So uh, I can usually meet the, meet the needs of uh, whatever question they're asking. I tend to have wonderful conversations, and I will spend as much time at the door as the constituent will allow me to. If they would like to talk about their grandchildren for a few minutes, I'm perfectly happy to do that. I believe it's about um, getting to know the constituents and resonating well with them so they remember me and not just about, um, well, what we call lit dropping. I'm not really a lit dropper. I'm a relationship builder. Yeah, when uh, we talk about issues, you brought that up. Uh, let's get into that a little bit. Sure. Uh, what What do you hear more than anything else? I mean, are there one or two issues that you hear a lot about uh, or that you like to talk about with people? Do you have a message when you go around saying, look, I'd like to make one thing clear. I feel very strongly about this and, uh, you know, here's what I think we ought to do. Or do you kind of wait to hear what people say or maybe – you find out that you and whoever you're talking to, you agree uh, on one particular <laughs> issue that something is a big problem, and uh, how do we solve this? Well, I, I typically ask the constituent if they have any concerns at the county or the state level, and when we're talking about state-level politics, there are two things that come up consistently at the door of the three that I'm running on, and of course, those are roads and infrastructure, and auto insurance that that is talked about at the door more than any other subject. Very interesting. So what do you, what is your position on, for instance, let's say uh, roads and infrastructure? Well, again, I have the benefit of being a Tri-County Regional Planning Commissioner. So I have been out at Tri-County uh, voting on tip and tap funding and infrastructure funding uh, for the past two years. So I think I understand a little bit better than most how infrastructure funding works. Um, but I believe that, you know, we have money funneling into the system. Certainly we haven't identified enough within the general fund yet to fix our roads. But by 2021, we have $1.21 billion allocated out of the general fund towards roads. So as the 7.3 cents um, tax, gas tax, filters into our economy, and as the engineering and environmental impact and congestion studies are done, we'll begin to see more and more uh, road and infrastructure improvement. I think this year uh, we did 24 or 26 miles of paved roads in Eaton County, which is more than we've done in over a decade. Typically we do just a few miles to maybe six miles a year, so we're beginning to see that improvement. You think that there is something more that the legislature should be doing with respects to roads and infrastructure uh, than what is being done now? Or do you think 
the legislature and Governor Snyder have done as much right now as can reasonably be expected going forward? Um, I believe that the legislature allocated maybe $600 million to roads this year, originally in the, in the um, budget. And then in the spring, they identified, I believe, another 150 or $175 million within the budget that could be reallocated to roads. So, I mean, that's fantastic. That's almost a 30% um, reallocation. So we have records allocation to roads right now. I think they've done a fantastic job. And what we're finding is that we went so long with underfunding um, and the infrastructure began to crumble so badly um, that we're making up for lost time. So certainly it's going to take some time to repair the roads and certainly the roads that are the least damaged are going to be fixed first because they they cost the less and it allows more to be done rather than the worst roads which would take a higher amount of funding and not show as much. So I think, you know, um, certainly the, the strike right now is not helping anything either. Okay, we're going to take another little break here and uh, hopefully we'll get uh, Commissioner Barnes back for one final 10 minute segment. Okay, Commissioner? Yes, sir. Okay, are you game for 10 minutes more? Sure. Okay, good. Thank you. Listening to the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with Eaton County Commissioner Christine Barnes. We got a full-fledged county commissioner on the show here for like half an hour. I mean, this is uh, unprecedented for this show. In fact, how many county commissioners actually have a chance to be on and talk about what county commissioners do? Uh, not many all around the state. So, I mean, uh, we are honored to have, uh, commissioner Barnes with us and she's done a great job explaining what she's been doing as County commissioner. And she is the Republican nominee for state representative in the 71st house district, uh, which is just West of Lansing and Eaton County. Uh, Christine Barnes, you were just talking about roads and infrastructure and funding. Um, I'm just curious uh, do you get the sense that voters are willing to pay more in taxes, more in gas taxes for even more spending on roads? Or do you get the feeling that people think, you know, there ought to be enough money uh, in the uh, state kitty right now and or local uh, government coffers that we ought to be able to do the job with what we've got? Well, it's ironic that you bring that up. Um I believe, and and the resounding voice at the door is, uh, use the money you have. So uh, my opponent believes that we should add a 25 cent gas tax, uh, additional gas tax, and um, that is not resonating well at the door at all. Uh, folks are telling me they've heard that in a couple different forums. Um, you know that would so adversely affect um, our families that live paycheck to paycheck, and certainly our seniors as well. So I believe we need to continue to tighten our belts at the state level, um, look for ways to allocate additional dollars, uh, look for projects that we can partner with the federal government and bring in federal dollars. And there are certainly still dollars within the state budget. Uh, for instance, uh, safety, uh, when I was at Tri-County this 
spring, they were coming to us saying, we don't, we have money, we don't have projects to fund. So it's about educating our townships, cities, and villages as well about the pockets and pools of money that are out there. Okay, let's talk about another big issue that you just mentioned a minute ago, and that was auto insurance rate reform. You say those two issues, uh, roads and infrastructure on the one hand and auto insurance rate reform on the other, are what you hear most of from people going door-to-door campaigning. What's going on with that issue? Well, I believe that it's time to uh, you know, bring all of the stakeholders into, the, into one room and uh, sit down and work out reform. You know, there are several different solutions on the table. Um, there is uh, sort of a looking at credit scores and zip codes and redistributing uh, the dollars that are paid into the system. There is uh, putting a cap on medical, so allowing people to choose um, how much medical coverage they want on their auto insurance policy, much like we choose the levels in our other insurances. And, um, and then there is working with a fee schedule um, and uh, like Medicaid or Medicare or uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you know, actually making a, a, a fee schedule. So there are several solutions out there, I think, um, that they all need to be examined and that we need to not throw out the perfect for the good. Uh, Michiganders deserve reform. They deserve people to roll up their uh, sleeves and sit down at the table and figure out which of these solutions, um, even in baby steps, will start to bring some relief. Okay, let's be clear about this. Michigan has some of the highest auto insurance rates in the entire country. Yeah. Uh, Particularly in southeast Michigan and Detroit, it is really terrible. Yes. And, of course, one of the reasons that we do, or the principal reason, is because we have an absolutely unique auto insurance law in Michigan, which is a sky-is-the-limit coverage for catastrophic injury. Uh, There is no cap on the amount of insurance benefits that somebody who is critically injured in an auto accident can receive. Uh, Well, of course, that means actuarially, if you're in the insurance business and you've got to cover uh, people who are injured to that extent and for that long a period of time, and there's some horrendous cases that are almost beyond belief if you hear them described, uh, it's going to cost money. It's going to, if you spread the uh, cost of subsidizing that around among the general population, everybody ends up paying more. So one of the big issues is, uh, do we somehow put a cap? And where is that cap on the amount of benefits from insurance that somebody gets if they're severely injured? Uh, Or do we try to keep the cap we have and still get the rates down? And can we do one without the other? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I do know that Michigan is the only state out of 50 that has unlimited. Right. So, you know, other states have solutions. Other states have figured out how to properly uh, take care of their constituents and um, make sure that people um, within them that are critically injured um, do not lose the ability to have quality of life and to be taken care of. So I believe that we need to look at some of those solutions. Have you seen any model in any other state that might be uh, a way forward for Michigan, like some kind of compromise, like maybe getting some kind of a cap, but it would be a very high cap 
uh, in place in return for lower rates? Uh, is there any, any model out there that Michigan can look at or that you could look at and say, you know what, why aren't we trying this instead of being stuck with this system that we've had since the 1970s? Yeah, there's 49 other models. And um, <clears throat> some of the, uh, and, and most of them are a blend of what I said earlier, looking at redistributing and giving some relief to the folks in the in the more densely populated areas and looking at credit scores and zip codes um, to spread it out a little more evenly. Uh, there is insurance caps and how much coverage you want. There's, of course, the issue with um, Medicaid and Medicare and hospitalization is, is a factor in there. And then so is the fee schedule, um, the the, the the difference in what Medicaid or Medicare would pay a hospital compared to uh, what auto insurances pay a hospital for some same services. So there's, I think it's going to be a blend of all of the issues. If I'm not mistaken, uh, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned that there were three issues that you felt pretty strongly about as part of your candidacy. Two of them were uh, roads and infrastructure repair and auto insurance rate reform, which you hear a lot about when you go door-to-door campaigning, but there's a third issue. What what might that be? Public safety. Okay. So I'm very honored and humbled that I was endorsed by both uh, POAM and FOP, the, the Police Officers Associations. Uh, police mean a great deal to me. I've always been a strong supporter of backing our, our public safety. Uh, my husband is a flight helicopter nurse as well as a first responder out here in District 1 in Sunfield. Okay. Oh, Kalisa, who has his back when he's responding to um, Priority 1 calls or um, where scenes may or may not be secure. So um, I have a great deal of respect for the police and fire and emergency services, and so I will always keep them at the table when I'm talking about legislation or making decisions for our community. Is there more on public safety you think the legislature might be able to do if you got in there and you're a representative that you'd like to push for that would really help uh, public safety at the local level? I believe we just need to uh, make sure that we're fully funding our public safety. Um, I believe that we need to make sure they have the resources to um, deal with any traumas or uh, priority one response calls. Uh, some of the three of my areas um, in in my district have completely volunteer uh, fire response. And so uh, it can be difficult to uh, fully fund and to fully equip these small volunteer um, fire departments where our populations aren't as dense and our pool of volunteers uh, can sometimes conflict with paid uh, fire stations. In other words, someone may live out here and serve in Delta or Grand Ledge, but because of those rules, can't volunteer um, out in a volunteer fire department. So, so our pools are not as deep for uh, firefighters and first responders. So I would like to look and make sure that we, um, we give them the materials and the resources to have a robust uh, fire department, particularly in our volunteer areas. Okay, we're just about out of time right now, so I could go on longer and longer, uh, talk about differences on issues between 
uh, Commissioner Barnes and her opponent, but we don't have the time, believe it or not, uh, even though we covered a lot of ground in half an hour. But I want to thank Eaton County Commissioner Christine Barnes, the first uh, commissioner district in Eaton County, uh, northwestern Eaton County, Sunfield, Mullican, and uh, Republican nominee for state representative in the 71st State House District. Thank you, Christine Barnes. Thank you, Bill.